Hi, my name is Bob Dylan. I am an American singer-songwriter. I am the scariest folk singer and your horror host for the dark, dark path of folk horror. You have reached the end of the line. Your life as you know it is blowing in the wind. Our journey into the depths, into folk horror, may end end with you knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. I hate that it's funny. It all starts one dark night when a hard rains are gonna fall. All along the watchtower was a young girl named Lay Lady Lay. She, and just like a woman, she, wait a minute. Oh, that's not what folk horror means? Well, what the heck is folk horror? Well, hopefully we'll find out together on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Welcome, boys and ghouls, to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. That intro is just my audition reel for <laughs> recasting with Christian Slater. Good luck. I am your host, Insane Mike, and this is episode 249. For this show, we are going to talk about the subgenre folk horror. Now, I know what you're saying. What the folk is folk horror? Hopefully, we'll figure it all out together. But first, if this is your first time listening to Attack of the Killer podcast, let me tell you what you are about to hear. We are a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together, we pick a topic, and we talk about movies within that topic. We speak openly and freely, so there may be spoilers. Now, if you like our show, you should consider becoming an attacker. If you go to jointheattackers.com, you can help support the show and become an official fan of the show called an attacker as an attacker. You get all kinds of extra stuff as a way of us saying, thank you for your support. You can get shout outs on the show and the website bonus episodes to the show. So you can hear the show every single week instead of every other week, get the regular show before other people. How cool is that? There's also our different video series like Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list, video updates, killer critiques. You can also join our monthly video show and tell chat. Uh, there are shirts, stickers, membership cards, certificates, all kinds of cool stuff. There's so much content that you can get by becoming an attacker. So help support the show. Go to jointheattackers.com. That is join. TheAttackers.com. And now it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He used to work on a cheese farm in a small England village up until it blew up. He said there was debris everywhere. Tad, everybody. <laughs> a cheese one for me? Really? All right. Oh, ouch. That's the double. Well, you always say my jokes are so cheesy, so I thought. <laughs> 
I figured it would be Gouda cheese. Yeah, there you go. You're getting it. Tad Gouda. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He once was a drug dealer for a small rural farming town. They used to call him the pharmacist. Andy. (laughs) I don't think I would have dealt any. I probably would have did him, but yeah. How's it going? Instead of getting a curse put on him by the local witch, she gave him a present. It was a charm bracelet. Jason, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening and tuning in. We sure appreciate you listening. And it's great being here with you guys and getting to talk about horror movies. Oh, it's not Bob Dylan, huh? That's cool. Oh, that's too bad. No, no, Bob is gone. (laughs) Now, who has the best selection of horror movie shows and original content? Shudder, that's who. Shudder has the largest, fastest growing selection of horror, horrific stuff that you can stream. It's good. It's awesome. Shudder is the Netflix of horror. And you can get a month of Shudder for free on us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. If you just enter our promo code, AOTKP, you can start your journey through the best of horror streaming. That promo code again is AOTKP. Do it. So when we pick topics for the show, we pick certain movies within the topic to discuss, but that is not the only movies we end up watching between episodes. Let's find out what the podcast crew has been watching lately. Here's Tad with what we watched. Well, it's that time of the year. I mean, we're uh, when you're listening to this, it will be after Thanksgiving. So um, we're going to go around and see what everyone's thankful for this year in horror, but also to see what everyone <laughs> has been watching lately. So, Andy, um, what are you thankful for, and what have you watched recently? Oh, I'm thankful for usually the typical stuff. Um, just friends, family, uh, roof over my head. I'm I'm pretty simplistic, so uh, yeah, just the traditional, you know, thankful things, you know, every that all my all my family is healthy, especially in this day and age. Uh, all all my friends, you know, are healthy for the most part, you know, at least you know the ones I'm in contact with. So I'm very thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the listeners, and I'm thankful now to get to my list. So, <laughs> um. I, I ended up watching uh, quite a bit of stuff, so I'm, I'll get into uh, certain ones, but I'll just rattle off, you know, uh, the other things. I did go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Very, Ooh. very, yeah, very good time. Very nostalgic. Um, pulls at the old heartstrings, too. So um, that was really good. Saw that in the theater. Um, got uh, Shang-Chi out of the way. Got uh, Black Widow out of the way. Enjoyed both of those. Um, I watched, uh, bingo hell and it was what it was just a bunch of old people defending this, uh, bingo hall because they're getting tempted by basically like a Satan esque character, which is Richard Brake. And I think the only reason why he was there was to come in, say a few lines and flash that, you know, doom head smile. So, um, 
I also watched The Boys from County Hell, which is an Irish vampire story, and it's actually pretty funny, and it's very entertaining. Both of the, uh, I think Bingo Hell is on Prime, and uh, Boys from County Hell is on Shudder. Um, I watched a movie that I think is was really well made, but it's just absolutely batshit crazy. It's it's unlike any uh, horror movie I've ever seen. It's called Titan, I think is how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. I don't really... I know you guys... I know Tad probably wants to watch it. Um, but it goes back to what I think Mike said one time. It's basically a, a trauma script. But when you get... When it's backed really well and financially and it's got good music and it's shot well and it doesn't seem like it was written by a stoned 14 year old boy living off of code red um (laughs) you you actually have a very entertaining movie you know um i got i just don't i don't want to say anything uh that gives anything away and it's just it's just really weird but it's actually very, really engrossing because you wonder what's what's going to happen next. But um, it reminded me a lot of a documentary actually called Imposter about this French kid who pretended to be in a uh, an abducted American boy. And he actually convinced the family that he was uh, the son. And then it just it kind of spirals out of control there. Actually, I recommend you guys watch Imposter, too, because that's a really good documentary. But. During a little off subject, but watch Titan. <laughs> um, you will never look at, um, let's say, uh, just make sure your uh, your gear shifts are clean from here on out. If a weird woman is, you know, all near your right, car, all right. <laughs> uh, that's that's all I'm that's all I'm going to say. Uh, I also was able to get a copy of the W. N. U. F. Halloween special, but I, it wasn't the um, uh, vinegar syndrome. I found like a just a standard DVD at Half Price Books. <laughs> And I'm almost kind of glad that I got it this way because, I mean, they purposely went out of their way to make it look shitty. Right. Uh, And so I was like, I don't really see the point of getting a Blu-ray because of that. I mean, DVD is, you know, probably refined enough for for what we're watching because that's they wanted us to watch it in a really crummy VHS sort of uh, format. This is funny as hell, by the way. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. awesome. It's a great movie. Love. Um, I I had never heard of it until you know Vinegar Syndrome was putting it out, and I saw saw you guys talking about it. I think it is freaking stellar. This is this thing is a freaking gem. Was it released? Like it says, it's from an eighty-seven broadcast, but that's obviously not right. When was it officially released? I think like four years ago, maybe four or five years. Ago. Okay, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> But the the Blu-ray, the reason they put it on Blu-ray is so they could pack more special features in it. So eh, okay. uh, it's not for I mean, the it's not for the uh, resolution. It's just for the data, <laughs> the size of the disc, so they can put more special features on it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any heard anything about the special features on it, but um, I mean, hopefully they're kind of cool. Um, so who knows? I might even double dip. Uh, 
then the last thing that I watched, and it took up a good chunk of time because uh, it was three discs, and it was put out by Severn. It's called The Video Nasties Definitive Guide. And it has a documentary about all these ass-aching Puritans in um, England trying to ban like basically 70-some films. And they were pulling them off of video shelves. And video store owners were going to prison for just letting ki- letting people rent movies. I mean, it has a lot to do with censorship. And I mean, um, uh, Neil Marshall's in it, commenting on it, and a lot of filmmakers over there. Um, but they also have two discs, which also show the trailers, and they also um, talk a little bit about if e- about each film uh, before they show the trailer. And just those alone are entertaining enough about what they what they talk about it because I mean it's a really deep dive into all the video nasties that were out there. Um, I mean, a guy talks about how he interviewed Fulci on for like House of Cemetery, I believe. And he came and saw him in the morning, and it turns out Fulci was like out the previous night drinking and gambling, and uh, he says Fulci barfed all over him. Which <laughs> is, yeah, I know, right? Um, and that's just one of the stories, you know, about how they, you know, how they're talking about all these films. So, uh, yeah, Video Nasties, the definitive guide. Uh, it's a three to set put out by Severin. I highly recommend that. It's got 14 hours of trailers and more of the 72 th- um, titles on Thatcher's historic band list. I'm assuming that's <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. So, Video Nasties, the definitive guide. And that is what I watched. I'll pass it on. All right, Jason, what are you thankful for and what have you watched recently? I'm thankful for toys. Um, no, all, all the good things, friends, family, all that. Um, I'm, I'm super thankful again, the second year in a row for podcasting, uh, cause it's, uh, remained one of the last creative outlets I've, you know, still get to do daily. And we all know how important it is to have that creative outlet. And yep, and, that, and yeah, everybody I know is healthy, and I get I'm breathing, and that's really awesome. So, uh, what did I watch? I watched a couple awesome. Here's the thing: I love fantasy films. I do. I love them. And I watched Dune. I finally got to watch Dune. Oh, you finished it? Like. Yeah, that's why I've only got a couple movies on my list. I say, when did you start it last week? Come on, it's only 155 minutes. Jesus. Well, you, you haven't even done the math yet. You just yelled it aloud, the big number. Jesus. See? No, it could have kept going. I, actually, <laughs> what? This what? is part one. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't even know that until it got to the end. Well, it does say it at the beginning, but uh, it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's awesome. So it's. it's uh, very. The thing. So, I here's mean, the thing. Here's the thing. So, I'm I'm dumb, <laughs> you know, and like not smart guy. A smart guy. See, sentences are even hard. And so, plenty of times with these fantasy movies, there it's all world building, and there's like, here this race is building this thing, and there's this thing's really important, and thing, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on, you know, for that first half an hour. I'm like, just hang in there, Jason. This will all make sense. And then 155 minutes later, I'm like, yeah, I finally got it. This is awesome. So, 
So if you got it, there uh, anybody. That's can, what I'm saying. You just you got to hang in there because they're just talking about these other. I don't know. It's just at first, at first, you're just like, "What is going on?" And Have you seen the Lynch version? No, I haven't actually. I was just curious to see what this you thought, my, like comparing comparing the two. It's my first Dune, but wasn't like Lynch's first version. It wasn't like like a really long, long cut. Yeah, there's a whole thing about it. Yeah, yeah, but it's great. It's epic. It's uh, the action's amazing. The sci-fi-ness of it's amazing and did you watch it in theaters or at home at home see i really want to see it in theaters but i think it's already gone from our theater oh yeah probably i feel like i it's one of those you have to see on a big screen but luckily i have keys and i can watch whatever i want on a big screen whenever i want so yeah you suck like that but i have a big giant 4k tv and that helped and made it still great in a nice dark bedroom um and then I, I watched another giant space odyssey epic, maybe even better than that. This one from 1986, Transformers the movie. Oh man, yeah. it was so good again. It's been a while since I've seen it, and I've been working my way through the the cartoon series, and so I got it takes place after season two and before season three, and <laughs> and so like now I can finally move on and get ca- caught up through season three and. Move on to some other the, cartoons, but the guy that had the the po- the film poster next to you guys at um, QuadCon this weekend, uh-huh. that poster guy, yeah, yeah, Spooty bought some off him, some Transformers posters. Did you get teary eyed again when uh, when like all the original Transformers just get obliterated in the first well, two I, minutes of the movie? I definitely and that Optimus died. That part makes me more sad than the Optimus thing. Uh, I'm not saying. Well, I mean, the Optimus stuff is still super sad, and I, you know, it makes me think about when I saw it first when young, and it was sad. But I also now think of a little old Mikey bawling his eyes out in the theater. So I'm like, so I think about you crying more than I do about the sadness of the scene, which is funny. He thinks about you crying, and and then he's okay. And then I feel better. Yeah. And then, (laughs) and what year did you say it was? 1986. 1986, and I graduated in 91. Do the math on how old I was, and I'm crying uh, in a movie theater. I think a Saturday matinee, kids showing even, <laughs> um, at a you know cartoon movie on the big screen. Do you I know when in 86 it came out? I don't, off the top of my head. Optimus Prime, uh, when when they died, they said that that was that was the sole reason. Since children were so you know traumatized by that. That's the reason why they didn't actually kill Duke in G.I. Joe. Yeah, which is... <laughs> it's, it's just, you, really, you would have rather had so Duke dumb. dead than, than Optimus. Well, I love how they rectify it by just changing the dialogue in the scene instead of filming a different... or like animating a different scene because he gets stabbed in the heart with a cobra and Scarlet's <laughs> just like... He's in a coma. First of all, like I want to see your medical medical degree, um, Scarlet. Uh, on the battlefield, you can figure out that he's just in a coma. But stabbed in the heart with a cobra. Now, I love the G.I. Joe movie almost as much as I love the Transformers movie. Sure. And I still think that the G.I. Joe movie should have also played theatrically, which I think was also supposed to be the original intent. But we never got that. August 8th, 1986. Okay, so I wasn't quite. Uh, I was like, quite born see. yet. 
I was a couple of months old. <laughs> hey, that's what I watched. All right, Mikey, it's up to you. What are you thankful for and what have you watched? Well, I'm definitely thank- thankful for family and friends. Uh, you know, first and foremost, my girlfriend, Brandy. She's awesome. Um, my kids. Um, um, and, and I'm still, and, you know, you guys, of course. Of course. My podcast family and friends. And uh, my PF Aww. family and friends. Um, and I guess that I'm still here. Thankful for that. So what I watched. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> I too got to see Ghostbusters Afterlife um, in the big screen. It was awesome. I loved it. And like, I've been nervous. Um, on Cause the internet's stupid. On, if it is getting it, I've been trying to not pay attention. Is it getting a lot of hatred? Cause I could have sworn I was before going to see the movie. I came. I could have sworn I came across an an article in my Google News that uh, that said something about how like um, people like the all female version better than Afterlife. And this was Thursday. This was Thursday afternoon. It did did better in the box office. This is Thursday afternoon. I see this article headline. I'm like, how in the f did anybody even freaking see it that you can make this statement? Yep. It hadn't even freaking premiered yet. Whatever. Whatever. I thought this movie was awesome. I love all the Ghostbusters movies, including the female one. And I've said that since the beginning. Hell yeah. Uh, Instead of people coming around to it now because because they want to hate on Afterlife. But this movie was great. I thought it was a great passing of the baton. I'll tell you, I am a little burnt out on on the, the kid from Stranger Things. Uh, he was probably the weakest part of the movie for me. <coughs> and sure, you know what? But McKenna Grace was awesome, though. She was amazing. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. my God. I love her. Um, I loved how they brought the guys in there at the end. Whoa, spoilers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, not everybody's seen it yet. Um, Jesus. Sorry. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd is always a treat. It was good. It was really good. And a lot of fan service, and I don't care. I love that shit in Marvel movies. I love it in my Ghostbusters too. It's know. so funny. I saw one headline like before it came out, you know, from whatever some media site, and it was like one said, uh, you know, it's too too much stuck in the past. It's, they're rehashing old uh, <laughs> stuff, and then the next headline from a different place was like, it's too modern. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like the the original <laughs> oh Ghostbusters. God. And I'm like, well, that's that's a sign that it's good because it's so, somewhere in the middle, right? And it's like the, a good blend sure. of both to me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I yeah, fuck everybody fuck who the internet exactly just go and enjoy things. It's okay uh, to like things, guys. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I Plus, know. I, I I will say this: I would definitely go to summer school if i was able to watch cujo and child's play <laughs> while i was there yeah that's all i'm gonna say yeah uh i also watched uh super host it's a movie that came out this year it's streaming on shutter so i got that knocked off my uh checklist for 2021 films uh if you guys haven't seen it it's about a couple of travel vloggers that go to this home uh to film like their it. next episode oh okay I've uh, seen it. I thought, yeah, I thought maybe, yeah, you'd somebody, one of you guys had seen it, but, um, you know, and they go to this house owned by this like, uh, 
girl by the name of Rebecca, and she's she's a little out there, and things don't go quite the way they should. So it's pretty fun. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And then the only other thing I've had a chance to watch uh, this morning, I watched uh, on on HBO uh, the Robin Williams doc documentary, "Come Inside My Mind," Aww. which yeah, yeah, very pulling on the old heartstrings. Choked up a lot, you know, definitely. Man, when they're towards the end of it, when they're, you know, talking about him, you know, when he when he died and everything, and they're showing showing clips from Dead Poet Society with Carpe Diem, and I'm just like, oh my god. So the whole documentary does a amazing use of of Rob William footage from like stand up from his movies and stuff, and using basically using that stuff to make him tell his own story while they, while they, you know, have interviews with all these other, you know, friends and family and whatnot. Um, it was, it's a really good doc and, you know, just made me really, really miss Robin Williams, but that's what I watched. What about you, Ted? Well, I am thankful for, um, capitalism for black Friday, getting to buy a bunch of cheap movies and toys and, um, just, you know, material things. Um, no, <laughs> oh, uh, you were kidding. No, I, I, of course I like all that stuff, but I, uh, also am, uh, you know, very thankful for my friends and family and my dog and my wife. And, uh, another year has come and gone without any major issues. So that's always exciting. Um, but what I have watched, let's see. um, as of recording this, some of the attackers are actually there. Um, I had my birthday double feature at the Capitol, which I do every year. Um, and the first movie we watched was a horror movie called Mystics in Bali. <laughs> I am so bummed that. Well, I wish I need to see it. I'm bummed that I get that I miss out every freaking year uh, uh, for your birthday movie thing. What, what mostly just because of not being. Not getting to be there for you for your birthday party, but but you just yeah. show the coolest movie. I have to see Mystics in Bali on the big screen. I'm like, oh my god, man, that's awesome. Uh, it's it's a weird one, um, but everybody <laughs> loved it. It was it was a fun time. Um, I don't even really know how to explain it. Basically, this uh, witch possesses a woman, and um, when she's possessed, the head of her body her body her head leaves her body but it, it um takes like the spinal cord the lungs and the stomach with it and it floats around and um <laughs> and uh it, yes the special effects look like they were um colored in with like markers right on the film cells but uh it's something endear something endearing about it like it's so cool because right? it's like the lightning is literally looks like cartoon like like animation on top of film um I don't know something like you could tell that they cared when they made it, which is always, uh, you know, makes for a good, bad movie. Oh, it was an episode of creep show that had that similar. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I no, no, saw. it's cool. And then, uh, I let everyone vote on the second movie by reading, um, two letterboxed reviews. I, I read, uh, you know, one from each movie and let them choose based on a letterbox review. And the audience chose, um, the Shaw brothers movie, the boxers omen, from, oh, man. um, 1983. And that one's a crazy one. I think they regretted their decision. I tried to warn them. I said this, <laughs> it's longer. It has subtitles and it, it has parts that drag, but it's really batshit crazy. Like literally there's batshit in it, but, um, <laughs> uh, they chose it. What and, was the other choice? 
The other choice was Ninja 3. The Domination. Oh, the domination. man, I would have loved to see that. Yeah. Um, I tried to steer them towards that because I think it would have uh-huh. been a better second movie. It, it was not fit as well with Mystics and Bali. I think uh, the Boxer's Omen makes a actual like cohesive double feature. They they both can both sort of have yeah. black magic and um, just weird possession. But all the I mean uh, Ninja Three also deals with that. So mm-hmm. I think it would have made a double fe- a great double feature too. Um, but you know blame Godzill. He voted for. Uh, boxers omen but anyways seeing those two on the big screen with all my friends and family and and some pizza and you know good times as always um and then i also saw ghostbusters afterlife the night before and really really enjoyed that um and then i've been catching up on some series actually um chucky has been so fucking good i was watching i've been watching it yeah we're missing it right now as we're we're gonna miss it as we record this but i'll catch it good yeah um it is, I mean, it is absolutely crazy because I sort of, I, I knew it would be good because uh, uh, Don Mancini's in charge of it's it and so they brought everybody in. back. Yeah. But now it's like, it, you really have to know the direct-to-video sequels like in and out to really understand what's happening. Um, so it's definitely for the, fa- the hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. It's not just a sequel to the first one or, you know, it, it, it references all the way up to the newest <laughs> movie. So if I almost yep. had to go back and rewatch the movies to, to make sure I remember what happened, but um, it's getting really wild right now. It's like and it's Andy awesome. Goes, Andy went to like military school. They probably touch on that too or something. Or? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, actually they do. No. But now okay. we're touching on uh, Nika is back. And uh, so we have Andy and Nika and yeah, I won't spoil anything, but everybody who's been in this <laughs> franchise that stayed alive is in this show now mm-hmm. somehow. And they're about to tie it all together uh, in a crazy. So I think we have two episodes left now, but um I really hope we get a renewal soon because apparently it's like the top show on USA and sci-fi since uh, the pandemic started. And I don't know what that, you know, what that (laughs) even means, but it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, And then I've been watching uh, Dexter. Dexter's back and that's been fantastic. Uh, They're sort of trying to fix or right the wrong of the last several seasons. And it's been good to have him back in my Sunday nights. And then, because of Dexter, um, they really been pushing this new Showtime show called Yellow Jackets, and uh, we started watching that. It's only two episodes in, but it is really, really good. It's about this uh, high school uh, soccer team called the Yellow Jackets, and it flashes from like now and then back to the '80s when they were in high school, and we're we're slowly bridging this gap as to what happened in between high school and now. That's causing these women to be sort of uh, people be after them, like the the media's after them, like there, something secretive happened. Um, huh. It has Melanie Linsky from um, Love Her, Mike. Yeah, she's in fucking so much good stuff. She's sort of one of the leads. Um, has I'm trying to think of who else that's that you might recognize. Juliette Lewis, Christina oh. Ricci. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, this show is awesome. Um, and then they have girls like playing the young versions of them. Um, so they're the adult versions of the yellow jackets and they keep hinting at some witchcraft stuff in the first two episodes, but we have no idea where that comes in and I'm loving the mystery of it. Um, very just well-written, really well acted, a great cast. Uh, it's on showtime. So check that out too. yellow jackets. And that's what I watched. Awesome. Thank you, Ted. Thank you. 
Now, do you out there ever have heavy debates with your friends with no resolution? Don't you wish an outside source could answer once and for all who is right in your pop culture discussions? We here at Attack of the Killer Podcast have figured it out. We figured out a way of coming up with a solution to our debates. Here's Jason with Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. All right, pole position time. Let's take a quick look back at episode 247. The question was asked, who is the coolest vampire? Remember your answers? And St. Mike said, Christopher Lee Dracula. Damn straight. Jason said, Jerry Dandridge from Fright Night. Tad said, David from The Lost Boys. And Andy said, Severin from Near Dark. Man, those are good answers. Let's see what the people thought. Who got it right? Well, tied for last place with 18%. Andy and Mike. What? I know. Christopher freaking Lee. Come on, people. He slashes a guy's throat with a freaking boot spear. Boot spur. (laughs) Yeah. Still not as cool as Jason and Tad's answers. God, I got to get more Twitter accounts like Tad does. Uh huh. And Jerry da- Jerry Dandridge wears a sweater like freaking Mari Povich. I mean, how is how does that get votes? The well, Andy, you are not the winner. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. Maybe Twitter loves people. You know, they're healthy and they like eating apples. And <laughs> we'll see. So the winner with thirty six percent of the vote is Jason. Really, Tad twenty seven percent. We got beat by fucking Prince Humperdinck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and now on to this episode's pole position. Here's the thing, guys. Uh, I blame Tad. This is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's fun for sure because you might be the only one that can. Okay, so Tad had we we waited too long to come up with a question behind the scenes there, and uh, Tad had this idea. Let's. Let's ask Tony over at the Brett and Tony <laughs> podcast. Tony, hashtag wildcard Miller. Uh, <laughs> it could be anything. And we got a Tony question. We'll just say that for sure. <laughs> and, but but Tony did us right. He kept it in the theme of the show, I, sort of. You know, with folk <laughs> horror. Folk. He, okay, so Tony's question. What is the best song off taylor swift's folklore album now this is now of all the questions we've been asked this one needs an answer guys and and so we're also going to do things a little differently <laughs> we're gonna kind of do it like a draft and i got a, a random sequence generator so mike's gonna be number one i'll be two tad's three and and andy's four mike's watching this we're gonna see who gets to go first Andy gets to go first. Oh, great. Andy's first pick. Now, I know he knows this album front to back. He's got it on cassette tape and vinyl and CD. Eight track. Probably. It's Andy. Yeah, it's... um, What is the best song? The the song in between... um, Um... Who gives a shit and I don't fucking care. Andy! Um, The people need to know. Okay, yeah. What your favorite um, song is. Tongue fuck my shit pipe. That's and die. not that's one of the <laughs> that is not is that a hidden track? 
I don't know. Is that... <laughs> it's out in the open now. I think, uh, yeah, tongue fuck my shit pipe is uh, <laughs> might actually be one that Andy can win this week. So I dare you to believe that. That's not answer. one of the songs. It's his answer, though. What is one of the songs? Okay, tongue fuck my shit pipe. Dot dot dot. Please. <laughs> Shake, shake, shake. There are 16 tracks on the album Folklore. That is not one of them. Try again, sir. I don't fucking listen to this bitch. I don't know. (laughs) Well, maybe you'll randomly pick the best song on the album. You have your shot. You can't do much worse at pole position. I I don't know. I don't listen to Taylor Swift. And no one should. No one with any actual good musical taste would. All right, the next one was two. That's me. I'm going to go with uh, track one, the one. You know, because, you know, it sounds romantic, right? It's a song it about an, the one. It has an E, so it's, it must be explicit. Right, right. I think that's the one I'm going with. That's my favorite. Did she forget to name the song and just, they just, <laughs> the, since it was the it's first not track? not the track one. No, I think that's just coincidence. I mean, Blur did song two, so. That's true. <laughs> Uh, next, randomly chosen three, Tad. Cardigan's the right answer. Ooh, I mean, Cardigan. That is a good one. Very huge famous. Huge hit, you know. And huge yeah, hit. I mean, yeah. You can't, it's hard to argue with that the one. the testicles. So. And lastly, Mike. I know. In theme of this episode, the correct answer is hoax. <laughs> oh, nice. He ties it in. Track 16. Very nice. Okay, well, uh, get your butts over to Twitter at AOTKP and vote for which of these three choices <laughs> you think got it right. God your, damn it. What is the... what? Tongue fuck my shit pipe's gonna win. Yeah, I'm not putting it on as there. Well, as well it should. Who picked the... Who was the best song, Taylor Swift song off the album Folklore? That is a pole position. Thanks, Tony. Jerk. I love you. <laughs> Okay, so we should get into folk horror. Yeah, let's do that as soon as you define it. I was going to go around and see oh. if, if you guys, what your guys' impression is. Way to cheat. What, is, what it would be your definition of folk horror. I'll save mine for last because I did freaking research on this. I even found like a, a small documentary on YouTube about this mm-hmm, topic. Mm-hmm. So, Jason, what do you think is folk horror? Oh, you know, it's somewhere in between witchcraft and we, I remember we were talking about at the end of last episode, just earth, earthy of the earth, you know, that Mm -hmm. is, that is tied to the earth. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Tad, how would you, how would you define it? Um, yeah, horror movie dealing with, um. It's hard to just to, to, I mean, it's pretty much what Jason was saying. Uh, yeah. Someone, I'm trying to think someone on one of our socials had like a really great explanation of it. Um, I don't remember who or where it was, but, uh, you know, horror that um, deals with spiritualism, um, one with the uh, earth, I guess. It's hard not to say earth. Yeah. 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 Uh Andy. Um, kind of like how, uh, it, 
Italian Jello movies have like you know black leather gloves and close-ups of hands. I mean, I think you're dealing with a lot of like you know torches and pissed-off villagers and you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's more uh, you know it's it's more of a it's a very old-timey rural setting to me. I mean, it's it's more it's like like country-based. It's 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 nowhere near the city to me. It's uh you know yeah like you guys like you guys said it's it's very uh almost i guess i'd say almost agricultural like okay uh, yeah cool yeah i think and i think for me i mean that kind of really sums it up too like extreme countryside rural settings uh generally like england uh, small villages in like England and stuff, but definitely very, very nature themed, earthy themes, uh, which is, which, you know, term used a lot. Um, usually it, dealing with a lot of, um, belief structures, religious beliefs, um, and a lot of times dealing in supernatural witchcraft. The little documentary that I watched about sent me into a blind rage right at first, <laughs> Because they talk about <laughs> how like common theme in most folk horror movies is that they defy genre description. Subscri- uh, subscri- uh, description. And I'm like, Ugh. and I'm like, what? What? I just want to know what this is, you know. But then you know, as they went into it, they talked about all those exact same themes. So, which um, I, I think I picked a rather diverse group of movies that fall into that you class. Did. So um, let's get started. Andy, what's oh, our oh, first? Oh, oh, what? I'm sorry. Okay. But I, I don't want to uh, interrupt, but, and, and Jason, um, I don't want to cut off you in um, shout outs, but Tim Lennerer. That's what it was. Ha- yeah. Yeah. I, I found his post. And so I'll read just the first part of his post. Um, It says, I'm sure you guys have just spent two hours defining and redefining the genre, (laughs) but for me, folk horror is the contrast between the idol of nature and the evil encroaching on humanity from it. But it's really more of a know-it-when-you-see-it deal than ironclad list of genre rules. If it sounds right, it is right. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah, dang, that's a really good description. Cool. I might want to throw in hysteria and and mob mentality, too. You know? Those seem to be common themes within the in that too. Yeah. So Andy, what is our first movie? Our first movie comes to us from 1971, and it is called The Blood on Satan's Claw. When the grave of the devil is disturbed by the plow, the satanic essence of evil wreaks violent and revolting revenge. But it weren't human, sir. There were fur. Then it was an animal's remains. It were more like some fleet. And the evil grows quickly, attacking first the youth of the village and making them the devil's children. Look, look. Oh, God, I prayed I'd never see that again. That's what they call the devil's skin. Doctor, witchcraft is dead and discredited. Are you bent on reviving forgotten horrors? How do we know, sir, what is dead? The blood on Satan's claw. It was like a horrible disease, highly contagious, 
and deadly dangerous. Spirit of the dark, take thou my blood, my flesh, my skin, and walk. Holy Behemoth, father of my life, speak now, come now, rise now from the forest, from the fa- The Blood on Satan's Claw stars Patrick Wymark as the judge who tries Satan, and Linda Hayden as Angel Blake, daughter of Satan. In 17th century England, the landsman, Ralph Andre Gower, found, finds a skull with one eye and fur on the field. He summons the local judge to see his finding, but it has disappeared. Meanwhile, the local Peter Edmonton brings his fiancée, Rosalind Barton, to his aunt's house to marry her in the next day, and they ain't really thrilled with her. However, during the night, Rosalind becomes insane, and in the morning, she is sent to the, the asylum. To an asylum, and Peter sees a claw that has replaced her hand. Then Peter wakes up with the claw attacking him, and he cuts it out, but he is find out that he has hacked off his own hand. The local children have a strange behavior under the command of Angel Blake, and they rape and kill others. In common, they have a strange fur on their skin. The judge returns from London and concludes that evil has possessed the children. What he and will and his party do? Um. Yeah, I mean, between that and what I just read you, that pretty much describes the whole what went on during the whole movie. Uh, I wasn't, you know, as usual, I'm not a fan of the rapey stuff. Uh, but, you know, if it's, if it's done halfway tastefully, I mean, I don't tastefully and rape just don't really go together. But um, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I... I I don't have much to say about this. I mean, I don't really understand why the judge, he, he, he completely dismisses it at first and then he comes back and then he's just like this badass crusader, which I thought was, that's too extreme of a change for me, but whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just don't have much on this. I mean, it's like, it's, what 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 did you guys think? 
Not everyone at once. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, I was gonna say, are you? Are we all. We must be all in the same boat here. Uh, out of these three, I think you know this is more the most probably most traditional, but I felt it was the most slow. Um, yeah. I had a hard time sort of capturing my attention, especially I, this is the first of the three I watched, um, uh, and too. maybe I'm, I'm curious if the order would change things. That's because what I was thinking because I watched it second, and I'm like, if I saw it first, maybe I would have liked it more. But, I don't know. I think uh, this is my least favorite, so I sort of like ramped up, like, mm. yeah, may, and maybe I was like, it can only get better. Um, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't hate it no, necessarily. No, no, it no, just, it, no. it, I had to watch it um, in parts because I was falling asleep the first time I watched it, and and that's probably on me watching it late at night on Shutter, trying to, you know, oh, I can, I can sneak this in before bed, and, um, but again, this this is definitely the more, most I would say the most traditional of the three that you would think of like full core. Um, yeah, has every it ticks every box pretty much. Um, I, I thought the the actors were pretty good and the setting looked pretty cool. Um, just I don't know. I just I had a hard time paying attention just because it felt like there were parts that really dragged. It's funny you mentioned that um, again to that little documentary I watched. It cited this film. Wicker Man and Witchfinder General as kind of like the trilogy of full core of the full core subgenre. I and wish we would have watched Witchfinder General. Tell you it was too. it was kind of a coin toss at the end of the day. I was I wanted to put one of those three since they are considered to be you know the def, the definitive full core films. So we already did Wicker Man. As much as I would love to go watch that again, I totally would. We probably um, talked it to death, yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah. It, was, it really came down to a, a toying, a toying, a coin toss between uh, <laughs> between the other two and which one was going to make. But I think it's an important part of like film history. You know, it's like yeah. like you said, it's sort of an introduction to this genre. But uh, you know, not not my favorite, but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's just I think I really no. like the other two, so it sort of pales in comparison. I feel like it was pretty slow paced as well. Um, I'm right there. It's not my honestly. It's not my least favorite of the three that we're discussing tonight. Okay. Um, uh, so I mean, there's still there. There's still there that when it finally would come to some interesting things that um, my attention could be snapped back in. I wasn't totally lost by the time something interesting happened. Um, uh, so there's there was some there were some cool moments. I mean, I liked the I liked a lot of the stuff in the beginning. The beginning, the first half of the movie, I felt mm-hmm. was strong, and the, the middle really drops off and then really picks up there, picks up uh, again at the end. But I like the scene where the guy is being attacked by the the Saint Claw in his bed, and you know he's hacking at it, and come to find out he's been hacking at his own oh, hand yeah. the whole time. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it um, has it had some really cool scenes in it. It just took a bit to get to them. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. totally I can totally agree with agree with that. Um, but you know, there was still there you know still some cool stuff in there that that kept me going. But Jason, yeah, I definitely loved the seventiesness of it. I loved the seventies on film part of it. Um, all the cool stuff was cool. I thought Linda Hayden was badass. Um, she was great and. But it 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 was the oh yeah it was the talkier side of British horror I guess maybe that I agree with you guys just it just kind of drug on me and just kind of wore me down and I it maybe like I thought that if I watched it first maybe it wouldn't have paled to the other ones 
or I compared them because I watched them all on the same day. And, um, but yeah, and, and, but then like, it, yeah, totally good movie is fine. But like, I don't know about you guys, but the judge by the end, I'm like, just fuck this guy. He's too cocky, <laughs> right? Yeah. He's yeah. just too cocky. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Somebody bite this guy or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's good. And, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I knew I had to give it at all because I knew all the cult horror guys, the Ryan Clarks and Tim Linnerers and <laughs> Jonathan's, they're all definitely loving this movie. And, and I, so I knew it was important. And, yeah. and it is. It's good. Totally. Totally not a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay. <laughs> With me, I mean, I, I didn't hate it, but it's just like, eh, eh. I got a feeling that I probably liked it better than the rest of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, Mike, I think you might have a patch of Satan on your back, too. You might want to look into <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a little patch there. You I might. do. I do. Cool. Well, Jason, what's our next movie? Oh, man. Our next movie is from ni- 1983. I couldn't find it for a second. Where'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> and it's the lair of the white worm. Your time has come, Eve. Come here. You will have the honor of being sacrificed to Diamond alive. There is a legend of an ancient evil. Something's been found in Stone Rig Cavern. A legend that no one would ever believe. Legend has it that Stone Rig Cavern was the lair of the Dampton Worm. Unless, of course, it came right up and bit him. <laughs> I hear you're having trouble with a snake. Diana was a pagan snake god. I'm snake watching. It's as if they were just swallowed up. John Dampton went a fishing once, a fishing in the weir. He caught a fish upon his hook. He thought, look, mighty queer. Now what the kind of fish it was, John Dampton couldn't tell. But he didn't like the look of it, so he threw it down a well. Ha! We must take the word worm too literally. It's an adaptation of the Anglo-Saxon virum, meaning dragon or snake. Ah, the experience of a lifetime. Now the worm got fat and growed, and growed an awful size. With great big teeth and a great big mouth and great big goggle eyes. So John set out and caught the beast and cut it into halves. And that soon stopped it, eating babes and sheep and lambs and cats. From the director of Altered States and the creator of Dracula, a new movie of venom and vengeance. Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm. I'm famished. We stop on the way for a bite. Uh, watch out for your ass. On a farm owned by Eve Trent and her sister Mary, young archaeologist Angus Flint discovers a large and inexplicable skull, which he soon deduces belonged to the Dempton Worm, a mythical beast supposedly slain generations ago by the ancestor of the current Lord Dampton, played by Hugh Grant. 
the lady predator, Lady Sylvia Marsh, soon takes an interest in both Flint and the Virginal Eve, hinting that the vicious Dampton Worm may still live. Directed by Kent Russell. Oh, man. I saw this movie a long time ago, maybe when it came out, or pretty close to it, early 90s. And uh, it's not that it scared me, but like maybe it just scared me in its craziness. I don't know. But I don't, my memory, and I haven't really seen it since then because I was, not that I was too scared, but I was just like, that's too weird. Young Jason was like, too weird, but crazy, but cool. And I didn't, there is a lot of comedy in it and that stuff's really great. And I, I liked it a lot, even more this time. And, that was a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear what you guys thought about it. What the fuck? Man? <laughs> <laughs> no, right? I knew yeah. I was getting into it with Ken Russell, but uh, no, man, th- this. <laughs> I, I think I talked to I talked to Jason a little bit Sunday and tried not to get too into um, the uh, details of movies, but I was like, it's so interesting, Mike. You really um, outdid yourself with the selection of movies because <laughs> um, somehow, you know, it's like. A, an overall encompassing theme of folk horror and they all have yeah. certain elements in common, but you could not find a movie that's more on the other end of it than uh, the layer of the, this <laughs> one end of know, the spectrum to the other, man. Right, exactly. And and that's what's great about, you know, even in a very specific subgenre of horror, you can still have such varying um degrees of of weirdness and this one definitely is at the top uh i i was entertained i i (laughs) i um i i don't even know you go andy uh i i had seen bits and pieces of this like but i never you know got got through it um and I, of course, I finally watched it all the way through. And I think this movie is so unintentionally. I think it's 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 meant for laughs in certain spots, but it's unintentionally hilarious. Another one <laughs> um, between him, like you know, they, there's a lot of they don't come out and say that it's snake charming, but it actually is. You know, like there there's a spot where she picks up this kid in from the rain. And he starts playing the, she was going to play some, like, like a CD or something. And she's got it in her hands. And he starts playing his harmonica. And she just literally just drops this fucking CD. Just, and she starts <laughs> dancing, you know. And she's just like, don't play that shit anymore. That music creeps me out, you know. Um, and, of course, you know, the uh, the police constable or chief or whatever, he gets snake charmed by, like, the bagpipes and everything. And, uh yeah, and we have like this weird painted up, you know, which when, when she's in her snake form, she's got like this I don't know what would you call it, like a strap-on unicorn dildo device <laughs> that is just like the fucking just that's not even left field. That's just way the fuck out there. Um uh that's that's Dion Dion Di sex toy or whatever the what was that state called <laughs> dionin dionin yeah um yeah uh really 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 weird weird stuff um i mean i i, I didn't dislike the movie i mean it it, it it this movie if you you know 
it, it can be a little slow at times, but when you start seeing this kind of shit, it's going to keep you on your toes. I mean, just like, like when I guess Hugh Grant's love interest, uh, when she first like gets like that venom on her, I mean, okay, shit just escalates very quickly because <laughs> she has this hallucination of like, serpents circling around a cross and Roman soldiers raping nuns. I'm just like, holy shit. The way, this movie was like relatively as calm as could be. And then it just, it just steps right up and just kicks you in the nuts just out of the blue. And it's just, it's, it's really weird, but it's, it's not so weird that it doesn't make it, you know, not entertaining. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's my take on it, man. It's just, uh, it's I, it's different. I think it's probably the weirdest thing Hugh Grant has been in, but not <laughs> um, the weirdest thing Peter Capaldi has been in. <laughs> he was great. They were both great. I by the end, I'm like, man, they need to just do a sequel of those two. Yeah, well, they were great. I'm assuming Hugh Grant's been in a few weird hookers, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Really. I don't know what to. They, I thought you'd just be like Ken Russell. I love it. I don't. I am. I am not familiar enough with Ken Russell's movies to, I guess, put my finger on what his what he is, what his style is, and stuff. I mean, only ever really seen the Devils, and that's it. Um. So I don't know. I like. Not that I'm. Not that I care about labels or anything. But what movie is this? <laughs> like, again that's why i thought maybe you'd like it it'd help your attention i think span. that's part of the appeal <laughs> right yeah um, is it horror i mean the, for the longest time throughout the movie i'm thinking to myself is this supposed to be funny it says horror comedy I, it says horror comedy but you know and i watched it on tubi and if you go to the horror comedy section on tubi it's it's very <laughs> subjective yep. it's very subjective i mean tommy t- Tommy Wiseau claims that the room was supposed to be funny. So. Exactly. So is that the case with this one? I mean, Ken Russell has made a lot of stuff for decades, and you know, I th- would think of him as a competent director. But right out of the gate with this movie, with like the with almost like the infantile dialogue between the between the two sisters at the beginning of the movie, like I'm just was confused and dumbfounded and then i think it was the moment when she had just bitten the the underaged hitchhiker in the dick and he's paralyzed Mm -hmm. and she's holding that skull above and she's giving this big speech about the return of her master or whatever and it's this big epic speech and then the doorbell rings and she's just like shit yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is because I I laughed out loud at that moment, uh-huh. and I'm like, maybe this is supposed to be a comedy, but it felt more farcical than just like funny moments or funny situations with with characters dealing with um, horrific moments. It, the whole movie felt more of like a farce, like almost like a spoof movie in in parts than than like a traditional like horror comedy so i don't know it, it, it really bordered line for me of like is this just bad filmmaking or is this intentionally 
um, farcical through the, through the whole thing. With, and with, it could be, it with, could be. Again, I'm not as familiar with Ken Russell as I should be and what his style is. And he may have just wanted to go, you know, just balls out that, silly. With there's this. just a whole bunch of weird mixed in with it. So it is hard to figure out. And I had never seen this before, even though really? I Really? First time for all three of you guys? This is the first time. And even though I had right. the VHS the through, of this anyway. all the way back in high school and just never had the desire to pop it in. I remember seeing um, articles in Fango about it. Oh, yeah. Other than some cool, uh, of course, showing all the cool effect shots in Fango, I really didn't have any, it really didn't strike any interest to in me, so I never got around to it. I thought some of the effects were really cool, like the worm himself was awesome um, there at the end, or even in the weirdo, weirdo psychedelic scenes. Um, you know, some, some of the, uh, you know, gore effects were cool. Not that it was like gory or anything, but you get the, the mom who's turned into a snake monster and then she gets like ripped in half or whatever. And her oh, top her, part and bottom part oh, are still kicking. that was kicking. awesome. Yeah, that was, that was cool. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I, you know, and I thought it was hilarious. Like anytime music's playing, you know, she can't help but just to like dance like a snake, like a <laughs> snake with a snake charmer. You know, so his his big idea is to blare music from, you know, from his house to keep her keep her um, controlled. Um, and then the thing with the bagpipes, which you know, and all those moments to me just came off as really silly and funny, um, even though that was a trait. Of the of the uh, lore of this of these like snake people monster people whatever, um, so I don't know. Uh, it's my uh, out of the three films that were chosen for this, it's probably my least favorite mm. uh, of the three. Okay. Not that it was bad. Um, not that I think it was bad, and and I the more I sit with it, the more I think it was not that it's intentionally the way it is and not intention and not unintentionally bad, not unintentionally funny. It's just, I don't know. I need to explore Ken Russell's films a bit more. This, uh, actually got the Vestron collectors series, Blu-ray treatment in case anyone's interested. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I need to own it. It's a one and done <laughs> for me. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, maybe something to revisit down the road, see if my opinion changes on it or not. But uh, um, uh, I think like, and I always knew that this was based on a Bram Stoker story. So I yeah. think I think like that also maybe skewed my expectations for it, expecting something a little bit more serious, like a like a Dracula or whatever. But uh, and the in the concept of like these like snake worm people that. You know, also live on blood, but have you know psychedelic venom and shit, and and can turn you. You know, you know that you know that stuff's cool. And also, you know, at the end of the day, I don't fully, I don't think I fully understand um, the main snake lady's motivation. I mean, obviously resurrecting her god or whatever, which I think just at the end of the day just happens to be a giant monstrous worm. You know, just that just lives in the earth and not necessarily anything supernatural. Um, all it had to do was crawl up. Yeah, yeah. you're not really resurrecting anything. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, without a hibernation or something. Yeah, it just didn't. It didn't click with me. Um, you know, some cool, some cool moments in in the film, and I don't know. It, this movie was like what 88, and it kind of felt a little more 
like it came out of the 90s for me maybe yeah it felt felt pretty 90s to me too yeah i thought lady sylvia did a pretty awesome job as a leading lady i mean she was easy to i thought she did a good job my biggest it's not even a gripe but like the the snake teeth really neat but like if they're so long how they they open their mouths as wide as they can and like how are you supposed to bite something when it's as big as your mouth like the teeth there's no room Say, to get yeah. in there to bite it just <laughs> saber tooth worms right and then i but i did want to uh, mention there is a nice connection there you thought that this couldn't be any farther than blood on satan's claw different um, but they actually, a uh, crew member, they had the same cinematographer. Oh, wow. 17 years apart. Wow. I just happened to notice that. Interesting. Cause I, I mean, Blood on Satan's Claw, I thought like, I thought the, the, um, cinematography on it was far more stimulating than this one. I mean, there was a couple cool moments, but, uh, but cinematography wise and 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 whatnot maybe not maybe not even want to say cool but disorienting like one one scene that really sticks out in my mind as like confusing me through most of the scene is when is when she comes into the guy's room to steal the skull and it's so forced perspective where the skull looks yeah. like freaking ginormous and i don't know maybe that was another comedy bit Maybe that was also supposed to be funny because she comes up on it's like slowly, and as she's coming up, she's obviously, you know, the perspective is changing. Sounds a cool shot. And like, yeah. it was. I don't know. I felt it, at first I thought, well, yeah, this is kind of a cool shot, but I think at the end of the day, it felt more disorienting than than cool. You know, and, yeah. and there's just different moments like that. Otherwise, I've, it, the movie just kind of felt a little flat. On the cinematography side, not a lot other than, you know, a couple shots like that, that, you know, I just, uh, maybe d- just not understanding depth of field maybe, but, uh, um, it definitely feels like it's in its own, um, reality. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. You forgot to ask me the name of the cinematographer. And who is the cinematographer? Dick Bush. <laughs> <laughs> it was all for that. It was all for that. Huh? It stood out to me. That's what <laughs> I say. Trying to bait him into asking. And- I watched those two in a row, and I'm, I saw Blood on Satan's Claw first, and I'm like, okay, well, that name pops right out on the <laughs> credits. And then when I saw it on Larry Love White Worm, I'm like, there's no fucking way. And it's the same dude. It's eight, 17 years later. Dick Bush. <laughs> All that right. should be a, that's a great segue into, into <laughs> something. Dick Bush. Okay. Um, so... So that's it for Lair of the White Worm. Tad, what's our next movie? Well, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but it's either um, V or Vi. I think it's V. V.
гадаю, що ми тварі не будемо, то я тобі знаю. Якби була, мама знала, що прийде Михайло, я би була, постелила постілинку файно. Наварила, мабила, викуряча і лапки, постелила постілинку миленькому спадки. Okay, from 1967, a group of seminary students from the city go on summer break, drunkenly wandering the countryside. They end up lost and spend a night in the company of a haggard witch. A scuffle breaks out and one of the students, Coma, murders the witch. Only it turns out he really killed the beautiful landowner's daughter. And now he must sit with her body in a church for three days, protecting it from evil spirits. Um, this is a Russian horror movie, as I said, from 1967. It's beautiful. Um, I really love this one. This is a cool-ass movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool special effects. has two directors. Um, Georgie Kropovok and Konstantin Ershov. I butchered at least the first name. Um, yeah, it's based on a story by Nikolai Gorgol. Uh just a cool ass like this is a visual treat it's a cool story uh it's only an hour and 18 minutes so it's it's an easy <laughs> one to digest uh just to mm-hmm. think that this was seen by people in 1967 it's just sort of one of those things like i just imagine people back then were losing their damn mind oh, watching this one right yeah I, I had a blast with it. I thought this was just cool as hell. This is what I would pick up on, you know, Blu-ray or 4K just to rewatch because it's 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 something you could throw in around Halloween time, and it's just a cool like something about it, man. The the, the maybe it's the colors, you know, the mm-hmm. t- the color palette. Uh, it's just technicolor, like said, maybe. Yeah, man. I just it has that vibe about it. Sixties, late sixties, really vibe. saturated. Yeah, I, I, this is like my jam. This is my favorite of the the uh, three. So I was glad that I got picked for this one. You guys uh, feel feel uh, the same about this one? I know Jason liked it. Absolutely. I, I gotta say that the the song that they played in the trailer is probably my favorite Taylor Swift song. So you can Andy, uh, it's too late. <laughs> um. No, sorry. Uh, I, I I dug it. I dug it. Um, I really did. Uh, every every time he went in there to have to pray with her, I I thought it was it was really really good. And they they definitely sa- saved the money shot for last, which was great with all those things coming out of the wall. Um, mm-hmm. I chuckled a little bit when I actually saw V, who they're referring to. Because he vaguely reminded me of the poop monster from Dogma, but I I. Mm. I I chilled out a little bit on that, but um, he, uh, yeah, every everything is everything about this, like just like what what Tad said. It mean it, it just made it really, 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 really good. Uh, I may try the sacred circle thing next time my wife is pissed off at me. See if that works. <laughs> Worth a but, shot. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this poor guy. He's he's. I you get the impression that he doesn't really want to become like a monk, and you know, anyway, you know. Uh, and his and his father is just really forcing forcing him in, so he's really conflicted, you know, about even you know being in the seminary anyway. But uh, yeah, it's just the uh, the look of the film, the the story. Um, yeah, how he, how she can't go into the circle. It almost likes they're almost looks like she's you know being boxed out. You know, like they're playing one on one. That was good. Um, 
and the flying coffin <laughs> was a treat too. You know, that was, that was really cool. Uh, yeah, all all for the same reason that you guys like this. That's you know, you guys pretty much said what I wanted to say. So, yeah, these these a good movie. This is my favorite of the three that we watched. Uh-huh. Uh, I I freaking love this as well. Um, man, it was a you know it was a great story. I was really into it, and I mean, I watched the trailer for the because this one was the one where I'm like, does this fit into the? I would was looking up movies. Absolutely, man. And just looking at it on the surface, I'm like, does this fall into the 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 uh, the topic? But um, yeah, I agree. It totally does. Uh, but then I watched the trailer, and the trailer showed some of the you know cool uh. money shots at the end. Well, no, that was enough for me to be like, yeah, we're watching this. You know, <laughs> all those cool, all those cool like demons and monsters and dancing right? skeletons and crap. And I freaking loved it. The makeup looked really good on a lot of those guys too. Like there's some like demon guy with like uh, turned down bat ears and two noses. That, that oh, looked yeah. incredible. Um, you know, I I really liked the makeup and and it just it totally had a like a. a you know, like with some of those monsters, um, in the end, really gave, gave me like a, uh, a Japanese, like, uh, like 60s and 70s Japanese, like ghost story type of monsters as well, um, which definitely clicked with me. Um, <clears throat> then just the whole, the, the concept of him having to go in there each night and, and do these, do these prayers and stuff. And each night just getting worse and worse for him. Um, but he has to go back the next night. It was just, it was really, really cool. And watching him, you know, the guy, the main guy, even though I watched this with the dub, um, the main guy I thought did a great job. It was, and the dub was actually really good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, you don't always get the uh, the full performance with a with a dub. But I thought he did an amazing job. Oh yeah, I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, I'm just looking at some pictures now. There's the just the couple of the monsters that are just full on demon looking with with like bat wings and everything. Um, man, the makeup! I was just so impressed. This is 1960, 1967 Russia, and the first horror movie made in Soviet Russia. Yeah, and the makeup is incredible. I mean, knocked do, do, it out of the park. Yeah, they they do some you know. Um, you know, some cheap and cheesy effects that don't hold up today, but I still love like the scene of him with the, with, you know, with the witch flying through the air and stuff, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, screen, but it looked, it's, it still looked really, really good. And again, I'm just a sucker for those effects, but there's like some scenes where I think, you know, they felt the need to stay in a more controlled environment. Like when he's supposed to be like running across landscapes, that's obviously him running against, uh, against a screen running in place. Which um, I think is sort of cool. Like they it's blended very cool. it with other yeah. shots of him actually in the woods. And, but it, but it adds an element to it that, uh, like dad was saying, it's really, really, that is really cool. And I, I dig that. It just, I love all that kind of stuff, and it was really exciting to see a movie that falls into the subgenre that has that has those qualities to it. Um, yeah, I really, really love this as well. It's just so you, it's so it's such an old movie. You just don't expect it. It's such a fun little thing. But when 
when he first gets into the thing or gets into the barn with the witch and she climbs on his shoulders the way you do. And it's like, what, what, what is this? How, why mm-hmm. is it? Why did that look like that? That was neat. Yeah. And then she's riding on his shoulders and you're like, is this, is, is he leaving the ground? <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. I just got goosebumps. Just like, this is incredible. It looked so cool, man. They did such an awesome job for sixty-seven. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, you get it. the feeling that it's this this movie has no business being this good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved it. <clears throat> Definite favorite. I watched it first, and I'm like, that's why. Oh, it's all downhill from there. That's what I. That's kind of what happened, but. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is highly recommended, and it, it's on Shutter, so it's it's actually was way easier to find than I thought it would be. So, dudes, when I was uh, trying to find a trailer audio, there wasn't any in English. Obviously, that's why you just got that pretty song. But uh, maybe you guys had figured this out, but I just realized that they did a remake of this movie, like maybe 2014, called V 3D, and uh. Sure, it's modern, but it kind of looked fucking incredible because it was the same movie, and and like I swear, some of these characters, this guy and then this other guy with some weird with the weird hair, all the mo hair mo haircuts, yeah. all the weird haircut guys, they're in this movie. This witch is in the mo like yet, and then there's but then it like goes like times a hundred where there's like real monster, real, real monsters that are weird and fucked up. I just watched the trailer and you'll be like, Oh my God, did they like, at first I thought they were using footage from this. It looked so much like this as far as the aesthetics of the, yeah. As far as everything, it looked like it was footage from this movie, but they redid it new. And I think it was, they redid it in another language too. But there are there are a couple recognizable actors in it, ish. But like, it kind of looked awesome. I kind of want to watch it and find it, and watch it because I love this one so much. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I, it's gonna you know it's gonna take a lot for me to um, just the the look and the aesthetic of this movie and the effects of this movie really hit home with me. So, but this, but it's more than just the effects. I thought the overall storyline was really good. Um, the other thing I, I, I'll just point out too, and again, it's not like, you know, it just, I want to say this before Jason gives me shit. It's not, oh. it's not always about the running time, but this is only like an hour and 17 minutes. And I feel like it's the perfect running time for this story. Cause this story to me comes off more of like, um, a story you would read in a horror anthology comic book or maybe an episode of, of Creep Show or Tales from the Crypt. It has that that simplistic story come up and you know, uh horrific thing happens and come up and for the main character at the end and all that that you would see in in some kind of anthology thing. So um any longer I think it would have it would have would have not has been as um impactful for me. The lead uh, reminded me for some reason of Chris Hardwick. <laughs> mm. nice. Maybe like uh, 90s, like uh, singled out Chris Hardwick with the bowl cut. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, cool. I'm excited that we uh, we're all in unison on this one. That's pretty cool. 
Um, I didn't know how you guys were going to feel about this one, but I definitely knew I it was right up my alley. But that yeah. It, what? Yeah, it's good, man. Yeah. Any honorable mentions? Oh, I don't you know. Got any? Midsummer. Midsummer. Midsummer goes totally. into that. Yeah. The witch, obviously. The witch, yeah. Yep. Was it the forest from a few years ago? Yeah. That was fucking awesome, man. Oh, and you saw Antlers Jerk. I haven't seen that yet. Yes. I don't know if I'd count that, though. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Conqueror Worm or Witchfinder General. Yeah. You know, basically it's a different title. Cool. Okay, well, that is it for our discussion of folk horror movies. But fear not, there's still more short show to come. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it'll be segments time on the show. Uh, first, you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Now, with 30 shows on the network, holy moly, including Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> <laughs> including uh, one of our newest shows. What? Two. including one of our newest shows haunted by proxy oh yeah turn off your lights and join joey and landon as they bring you a created selection of the darkest legends that the internet has to offer what truths are these anonymous authors trying to warn us about check out haunted by proxy and all the other shows on the network by going to thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, and now it's that part of the show where we hear from you, the listeners. Here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 All right, everybody's favorite segment, shout-outs. We asked, what are your favorite folk horror films? And you guys had some good ones. Up first... Nick Leadham, he says, The Witch and Midsummer first come to mind. Also, <coughs> Quaden and maybe Nicolas Cage's The Wicker Man. All right. <laughs> Bees. Okay. I, I've yet, I've never actually seen the full like movie. Oh, I thought you were. Uh, How to get burned? How to get burned? Okay. Uh, and then up next, we got Tim Lennerer. Uh, we'll skip past what he we uh, he says. For me, it's got to be the OG Wicker Man in any of its various manifestations. A truly amazing film that hits just as hard the second time around or the tenth. And there's absolutely no supernatural content. Neither the pagans nor the forces of law, order, and Christianity get anything visible out of the ordeal. Out of the deal. Honorable mentions to The Witchfinder General, Midsummer. Blood on Satan's Claw, The Witchmaker, Kill List, The Witch, 
The Wailing, The Blair Witch Project, and Wake Wood. And hey, the Fiasco Family Project, oh, the Fiasco Family took a look at the Witchfinder General earlier. If your listeners want to hear a trio of film nerds discussing the genre and a specific example other than the ones on your list. So you should check them out, Fiasco Family. Oh, speaking of OG, we got Brian Clark. You know that dude. He's cool. The original Wicker Man is an all-time top 10 favorite of mine. The ending always gives me chills, no matter how many times I watch it. Blood on Satan's Claw is far better than it has any reason to be, considering its complicated production history. Great atmosphere and unusual performance from Anthony the Master from Doctor Who. Ainley is a good guy. The there's so many vowels there, uh, Brian. The Daiyokai films, uh, the original trilogy from the '60s, as well as the Takashi Miike one from 2005, are all top notch. See, those are the movies that I was referring to that uh, really remind that you know the monsters in in V really reminded me of you know just the just yeah. the the way the effects were done and everything. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Miike has a new one out this year but hasn't made it to the States yet. Um, Keiba Kichi, uh, the tale of a samurai werewolf who must protect a village of yokai from an evil shogun with a Gatling gun, has some practical creature effects and action sequences. Although the story is more folklore than the movie, Rawhead Rex kicks ass. Oh, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Tim Lennerer says, oddly enough, both of both you and I submitted accurate and helpful answers this time. <laughs> Unlike a few episodes ago. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Diswaner says, don't forget Wendy Padbury, the second Doctor's companion, is in there as well. Dang it, you guys and your Doctor Who, Brian Clark. She <laughs> certainly is. Um, Don and Nelly, he says, if you guys can scroll down this far on the show, the werewolf film he mentioned is pronounced... Kibakichi, FYI. Brian Clark says, don't help them. The flailing at pronunciations is the best part. <laughs> Tim Lennerer says, someday I'll tell them how to actually pronounce my last name. Wait. What? It's not. And it's awesome. Uh, Jonathan, He after the last time I tried to butcher his name, he did text me and tell me how to pronounce it. So anyway, speaking of butchering, uh, Don and Nelly, he's back. He says, well... Sorry, Brian, um, but I'm the guy that likes to help out with pronouncing foreign titles and names. Makes it easier to assimilate into English culture. Thanks, Don, and not Brian. Speaking of Brian's attacker, Brian J. Godzilla says, Rare Exports has to be one of my favorite folk-based horror films and is perfect for this time of year. Gosh, I love that movie. That's great. Jonathan Diswaner says, Blood on Satan's Claw forever. That's the sequel. <laughs> uh, the Reapster, Mike Reeb. He says, Eye of the Devil. It's one of my personal favorite in this category. Absolutely incredible cast, black and white, atmospheric, and in my opinion, does it better than The Wicker Man. Ooh, that's bold. I was going to say, yeah. I know this one gets shit on a lot, but I really liked The Village. Fuck yeah, Reeb. You are the man. That movie's so good. And if you're going more witchy route, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters friggin' rules. 
It does. I agree with that. Thanks, Reebster. Uh, We got Mallory Graham. This might be a first for, I don't remember her. Anyway, thanks, uh, Mallory. She says, Midsummer, The Witch, Wicker Man, original, The Ritual. Oh, yeah, that was good. That's Uh the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Queen of Black Magic are some of my favorites. I would also include Sator and Antlers. Ooh, Mallory thinks it should be included. I um, I don't I don't want to spoil anything. Yep, so yep. Attacker Brett Royer, he says, Midsummer and Wicker Man for sure. The ritual was pretty cool too. Gosh, yes, it was. The Apostle is underrated. It was great, and no one ever talks about it. Yep, because I didn't watch it. That's why I didn't talk about. It. <laughs> uh, Don and Ellie, he's back. He says too many rightful answers for the Wicker Man and Blood on Satan's Claw, so no need to mention them anymore. But you just did, Don. An Australian film called Allison's Birthday is also quite enjoyable and definitely underrated. While stuff like Eyes of Fire and Deadly Blessing uh, might be somewhat under the radar efforts, the ritual was awesome until it went all philosophical in the last act. And definitely keep a film called Hellbender on your list for next year. A festival favorite I saw that's getting a wide release in 2022, which is really good. And lastly, we got Marcus Rude of the Rude Horror Podcast. He says, also on the PFPN, the PFPN.com. Uh, Midsummer, The Witch, Children of the Corn. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised no one has mentioned The Village, 2004. Well, they did, and it's good, and you're right, because it rules. Heck yeah. And nothing on Twitter, nothing on Instagram. That is it for that. So don't forget that if you you still have time to leave us a voicemail if you want, and we'll put that on the show like Tony did last time. Hope you liked that, Mike. You called him out. You got it. You got it. That's right. Oh, Tony. Uh, so you can give us a call, 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave that voicemail. We'll play it on the show, and that's shout-outs. But... Just wait. We are not done yet. It's time for everybody's 30-second favorite segment. It's Insane's Picks. For Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, we are going to induct Michael David Sonier, known for being a screenwriter actor, musician, but we best know Michael in the world of Insane's Picks films as, by his stage name and screen name, Dookie Flyswatter. Oh, gosh. His name is better known than probably the man himself. He is recognized for his work on numerous low-budget B-movies through the 80s and 90s, and as singer for the Los Angeles horror punk band Haunted Garage. From here on out, we will only refer to Michael by his proper name, Dookie Flyswatter. Dookie started out acting as a teenager in community theater, where at one point he received improvisational lessons from the legendary Del Close. Uh, His earliest screen credit came in 1975 when he worked as a script doctor on a draft of the screenplay for the horror film Frozen Scream which was famously listed as one of the original video nasties. In 1985, he, when, 
It was in 1985 when he formed the horror punk heavy metal band Haunted Garage. He was the songwriter and lead singer and bassist. He adopted the name Dookie for his stage persona, and it was one of his band members that later came up with Flyswatter. Haunted Garage was a very theatrical punk band. Their live shows were filled with blood and props. The band was highly inspired by B-movies that not only was the motif of their live shows, but also the content of the songs themselves. Thanks to Flyswatter's manic shock rock stage antics, Haunted Garage became a prominent fixture in the Los Angeles underground throughout the late 80s and early 90s. Recording music for and appearing on screen for several low-budget films, including such movies as Cyclone and Nightmare Sisters, before eventually signing to Metal Blade Records to release their sole EP or LP, Possession Park, in 1991. Flyswatter is an avid fan and collector of vintage horror and exploitation cinema and served as a creative consultant on Fred Olin Ray's 1985 Sleazomania, a film compilation of exploitation trailers from the 1930s through the 1960s. That project began a partnership with low-budget director Fred Olin Ray. Uh, With Fred, Flyswatter wrote screenplays for Fred's films, such as Prison Ship and Commando Squad, both of which he acted in, among many other projects. In 1987, Flyswatter wrote the screenplay for the campy horror comedy classic Blood Diner, directed by another Insane's Picks Hall of Fame inductee, Jackie Kong. The same year, he appeared in a co-starring role as the villainous as the villainous Mangley in the infamous trauma-produced Surf Nazis Must Die. In 1988, Flyswatter provided the voice of Uncle Impy, the evil imp in the bowling trophy in David Dakota's <laughs> Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bowlerama. I love it. I do. Also in 88, he appeared in David Dakota's Nightmare Sisters and also Fred Olin Ray's Phantom Empire, not just because they were all friends, not just because Dookie's unique screen presence is awesome, but because Dookie had his own, his own severed head prop. Sadly, Haunted Garage disbanded in 1993, but that didn't stop Dookie. He sang in several other groups over the years, including the cross-dressing Riot Girl parody band Fox Twat, the Dead Kennedys tribute uh, uh, Hemorrhoid in Cam- Cambodia, and the Dead Boys <laughs> tribute Moronic Reducer. Dookie not only kept up with his music career, but he also continued to act throughout the 1990s in low-budget independent horror films. But by the late 1990s, he began appearing in a string of adult films playing comedic, not sex roles, such as the Clit Master in the <laughs> in the film Terrors of the Clit and P.I. P, I'm sorry, P.T. Bonham in the superhero parody <laughs> Super Quick. Two. How the mighty fall. <laughs> I don't think he probably thinks of it as a fall. <laughs> uh, the latter of which earned him a nomination for Best Non-Sex Performance Film or Video at the 2002 v- AVN Awards. 
After a series of one-off reunion shows spanning from 95 to 2008, Haunted Garage reformed in 2013 with an all-new lineup featuring Flyswatter as the, as the only original member. In 2016, the band released the EP Slenderman and Other Strange Tales, their first studio release in 25 years. In late 2018, it was announced that Flyswatter would have to receive brain surgery to remove a tumor near his visual cortex. Haunted Garage performed a benefit show nine days before the surgery. As detailed on the band's social media, the tumor was successfully removed and declared benign, and Flyswatter returned to performing live with Haunted Garage just six months later. A man whose career and persona is as crazy as his name, we induct Dookie Flyswatter into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. Nice. And that is it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Now you know what full core is. Now go watch some. Yeah, do it. Or we'll put a curse on you. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Uh, thanks to my fellow podcasters here for uh, joining me once again. And also special thanks to the attackers for supporting the show and keeping the show alive. Those guys rule. They do. You too mm-hmm. can be as cool as them by going to jointheattackers.com and sign up for the tier that best suits you. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Bye. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.